This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. We welcome Bob Metz and Josh Slammer to the program as we do most Wednesdays. Gentlemen, a pleasure to see you both again. Thank you. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for a lively show last week. We sure got a lot of uh, response after that one about capitalism versus socialism. It's an interesting show. And if you missed it last Wednesday, shame on you because it was a lot of fun. Guys, I want to uh, set our sights a little farther afield today. And, and I'd like to, to talk to both of you about an issue that was just raised in our last interview with Sally Armstrong. We're talking about politics, about real politic, about this, this idea that it goes back to the 19th century, that, that, that politics must, above all, be pragmatic in the international arena. That national self-interest, in the same way that self-interest, individual self-interest, is, in theory, held to be a, not a bad thing, that uh, national self-interest is, is, should be the driving force for everything. And, uh, you know, Bismarck was the great exponent of that and, and certainly has had lots of disciples over the years. The problem with it seems to be that, as we sometimes find with pursuing individual self-interest, we don't necessarily have a far enough horizon. We don't necessarily look far enough down the road to fully appreciate all the implications of what we want today. That uh, I don't know whether it's human nature or what it is, but we we certainly see it internationally, where governments make big mistakes. The Americans have made big mistakes internationally. That, uh, with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, you look at it and say, well, you know, why did they do that? Saddam Hussein being the most classic example right now. Why didn't they? finish them off back in the Gulf War when they could have. And there's lots of other examples, not just about the Americans, it's about all sorts of countries. I want to ask both of you for your thoughts on that, whether, whether real politic has outlived its usefulness, and, and if so, what would we replace it with? And uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. Well, I, I, I actually recall that uh, back at the end of the Gulf War, I thought that real politic was supposed to be kind of uh, on the wane, that uh, with the end of the Cold War, uh, you know, it used to be that uh, it actually was a left-right um, breakdown in the world, that, uh, you know, the, the Western world was fighting communism, and uh, I remember uh, the domino theory, you know, that uh, at one time uh, the, the, the goal of communism was to take over the world, and that uh, this is why the Americans went to Vietnam, was that they said that uh, you can't let uh, a single country in in the Far East uh, fall to communism because if you do then the rest of them will fall like dominoes and uh, it seems to me it was George uh, H. Bush who had said at the end of the uh, Gulf War that uh, there was going to be a new a new opportunity for the world to get out of this uh, out of this real politic that there was an opportunity with the with the collapse of, uh, of the USSR to to have a, a, a community of nations uh, you know to have the UN be, uh, be truly effective and that uh, essentially uh, we didn't have to be sort of staring daggers at each other uh, anymore that there was this real opportunity that uh, that as um, sort of a uh, what do you say uh, civilized advanced countries uh, we could do, do things like have world courts for instance to uh, to deal with war crimes and those kinds of things and, and part of that I guess is um, that that uh, there seemed to be this hope that uh, if people were going to be involved in a war, it would be defending themselves, like genuinely defending mm -hmm. themselves, saying somebody's attacked us, therefore we're going to defend ourselves. But what seems to happen is there's this slippage where people say, well, the next step, though, is that we can see so-and-so is a potential threat to us, uh, you know, that they have weapons so they could use them against us, and we know they don't like us, therefore we got to get them before they can get us. 
And when I hear about that, I think, well, isn't that the reason the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor? You mm-hmm. know, that uh, the United States had shut off uh, the supply of oil to uh, to Japan, and it seems to me they only had a few months' oil left, mm-hmm. and uh, they had no resources of their own. They're, they have always argued that they were forced into that war, war to defend themselves, but the Americans don't see Pearl Harbor that way. Uh, and unfortunately, we seem to be back into a situation where we're, we're left with a lot of suspicion about motives because we seem to have uh, been in a world where the UN is, you know, pretty weak, uh, and we don't seem to have been able to coalesce somehow. Robert, what about your, your take on it? Is, is real politic have any value to us anymore? I don't even know what it means. <laughs> I'm here thinking, real politic, what the heck does that mean? Pragmatism? <laughs> is that what you mean? Uh, you know, when politics. I look at the... Every war, every hot war, is ultimately a war of ideas. It's not about oil. It's not about anything else, any product or anything like that. It's all about ideas. And that's the problem that America has when it goes into these countries like Afghanistan because they're trying to change a culture. Mm -hmm. They can defend themselves, and every time that culture shoots back at them, they can shoot back again. But that culture will never change unless the ideas there change. So a military effort without a dramatic philosophic effort behind it will be guaranteed to fail. And the UN exists to prevent that philosophic effort from happening. Because the UN is, is comprised of countries who are all anti-capitalistic except one, the United States. So therefore, they're all the enemy in, in, in the broadest are sense of ideas. Great Britain in that? Um, no, not Great Britain. They, they, but they're very socialist, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And they've even been calling for the U.S. to you know, jump on the altruistic bandwagon. But the issue of, of poverty in the world and all these things, these are all caused... By governments, wherever you see misery, you see an anti-capitalistic a- attitude. You see people who don't believe in freedom. You see people who don't believe in individual rights. Women can't have rights. These are very simple issues to me, black and white. Mm-hmm. There's no compromise. There's no, nothing to do with pragmatism. And pragmatists, you'll find on every side of the issue. So a pragmatist cannot be defined by the fact he calls himself a pragmatist. Saddam Hussein's a pragmatist. So is, so is Tony Blair and so mm-hmm. is George Bush. I mean, they all have to act pragmatically within the confines of their philosophic beliefs. That's how it's done. There's no other way to do it. So the one person who acts pragmatically says this is the answer to the question, who's, who's on one set of the you know philosophical scale, whereas a person who believes in force would use force for everything, because that's pragmatic to them. And that's basically the way the world is divided, between the people who believe in initiating force and controlling others, and it happens right here in our community, mm-hmm. I mean, we got smoking bylaws going on here. Nobody's mm-hmm. got a right to do that. That's fascism. Mm-hmm. So how can we go and tell other countries that they should practice individual rights when we don't? You know, one of the things that, sorry, just to, that uh, I don't know why it didn't occur to me until a couple of years ago when I look at United Nations and United States. And then the first time it occurred to me, I was reading a biography of Harry Truman and, and the creation of the United Nations and uh, how it was, uh, sort of grew out of the League of Nations, I guess, that Woodrow Wilson, uh, the mm-hmm. president at the end of World War One, had tried to bring in. And at that time, the United States was the leader in trying to establish the League of Nations. And I guess Wilson had tried to get it adopted, but I think the U.S. Senate rejected yes. the U.S. participation yes. in it, ironically. And then when they got this UN going, it was always the United States that that pushed hardest to get United Nations, and it's like United States, United Nations. Like this is a, an invention of the United States, and it, and it's kind of ironic in the sense that I, I think there are a lot of people, and you often hear this from Americans saying that they think of the UN as a foreign body, that mm-hmm. it's uh, you know this is us against them, it's U.S. against the world in the form of the United Nations. And I was quite struck to to, to realize that the UN was invented by the United States, certainly funded largely by the United States, hosted by the United States. The the convention that established it, I think, was in San Francisco mm-hmm. near the end of World War II. Uh, you know, 
uh, based in New York uh, City. And uh, in some respects, I wonder, though, whether the United States has sort of grown beyond the need for the UN, or at least sort of perceived that. Obviously not completely, because they are quite concerned about trying to get this second resolution uh, of the UN before they go into Iraq, and Colin Powell's there today trying to make their case for that. Um, so they still see a utility to that, but the, the United States is so powerful now, so dominant in the world, you know, where they talk about their defense budget being, what is it, 10 times larger than the next 20 nations combined, uh, that, that you almost wonder whether the world has changed with the, with the collapse of communism, where there is no credible alternative to the United States, where they just don't see the need uh, to have a world body right now. And, and they may be right. That's the ultimate real politic, is that they just don't need the rest of the world. Well, I think real politic is 9-11. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, the UN doesn't matter anymore. Because then, I don't care what another person thinks, somebody slugs me in the head, I'm going to slug them back. I don't or care if you else. think it's the wrong <laughs> thing to do, or if I waited too long, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically where he's at now. We have to remember, also, I don't know why people want to tie the Taliban to Saddam Hussein. George Bush made it very clear from day one that this is going to be a worldwide battle. It will go on for years, and he's not just going after the Taliban. He's going after terrorism everywhere, and everybody went, yay, 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 finally. Mm -hmm. And now today we want proof right down to the Mm minutiae of whether Saddam Hussein has X, Y, or Z. It's irrelevant, utterly irrelevant. Saddam is on probation. He lost the last war because of the U.N., by the way. The U.S. would have finished them off. But he lost the last war. He does not have even the, the legal standing that any other dictator might have in another country because he's already on this probationary period. He's there on sufferance. Right. Although and so they ha- he hasn't got the rights, and Iraq does not have the same rights as any other nation in the area. Yeah. So Although nobody would suggest that the United States is seriously threatened by the country of Iraq. Like I don't. Of course think they are. Actually suggesting like, that. Absolutely they are. But uh, those ideas that come out of though, Iraq are evil. Out is that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, that's when I start to get really uncomfortable is when people start talking about evil. But you think uh, using force on people is a good thing? That if I hit you first, that's a good thing. You, yeah, you, you give well, me an exception where where that's a good thing. I would thing. say that there, there's what there was this guy who was a threat to the United States at one time called Osama bin Laden, and I remember there was this political cartoon a few weeks ago where they were asking uh, George what he was doing about finding Osama bin Laden, and George said Osama bin who. You know, that's yesterday's news. That uh, the thing about uh, about Hussein that's kind of ironic to me, at least, is that uh, you know before he went into Kuwait, apparently it's widely reported, and, and it seems to be the case. He had he had asked the United States, sort of, what what are you going to do if I go into mm-hmm. Kuwait? He had talked to the ambassador, and he he mistakenly believed that the states had said basically, well, we're not going to get involved. Like this is a guy who spent his whole life sucking up to the United States. That of course, uh, in the war against Iran, he was heavily supported by the United States against Iran uh, because the that United whole, States was happy that to get back part to of Iran. The world is embroiled in tribal warfare, and they switch sides every other day. <laughs> he's the only leader over there who's not a, um, a religious leader, and it's, it's uh, again, an irony that, I, that apparently it's the case that that's the most western of the countries over there, that he's the only guy who doesn't wrap himself in, uh, in he's Islam. He's a dictator, Jeff. You're calling him a western who, um, nation? He's a dictator. Well, again, he kills people. Again, if you want to talk about Egypt, if you want to talk about Saudi Arabia, dictators are all over the place. But, you know, if they're dictators who happen to be sort of people who who we like, then we we don't call it dictating. We call it being a strong leader. Uh, But uh, a dictator can be a strong leader. That's that's not a contradictory thing to say. Fundamentally, though, I guess... Matter of fact, they usually are. The question is whether or not, again... 
the world has changed or whether we still have this power politics now it'd be i guess pretty naive to think that if you've got uh, a lot of power and you're and you're unhappy about something you're not going to go and use it uh in this case what what's most frustrating for me i guess if we're going to talk about iraq is that again if you look at what the threat is to the united states the threat is al-qaeda those are the guys who are the scariest ones who are the who are the most after the states right now saddam hussein has known all along that the last thing he wants to do is poke the united states in the eye because if they do if he does they'll squish him like a bug that he spent that his whole life that man has never threatened the united states in his life except while they were bombing his country back during the gulf war and, i wonder uh, how he's going to feel George after he w hears suggests what, what that he has said to today. go after he has to go after <laughs> saddam well we're, we're already told there's no smoking gun we're told that there's no going to be like 1962 that they don't have the satellite photos jeff you still haven't answered gun. my question when is it appropriate you said you don't like the word evil you don't like these moral judgments when is it appropriate to initiate force uh, either one nation I would against say to defend another. Yourself, wouldn't it be? That's not initiating force, Jeff. That's defending yourself. Absolutely. Oh, when is it appropriate to go poke someone else in the eye? I'd say you should try and avoid that whenever you can. Right. So there's the moral. There's the moral yeah. clarity of it. But yeah. if the guy yeah. nobody suggests that Iraq has poked the United States in the eye, they've done everything they can to avoid. Well, they poked that. their own people in the eye. Though. What, yeah. At what so point do you interfere in your uh, interfere in your neighbor's backyard? You well, know, and you talked about Africa, you know, and uh, the United States was into Africa and Somalia back in the uh, early 90s. Uh, you know, the same bad things are happening there that were happening then, mm -hmm. uh, but nobody's talking about it anymore. I remember Lebanon. I couldn't believe how quickly we dropped Lebanon after the um, the truck bomb blew up and killed the 200 Marines. Uh, before that, Lebanon was sort of the center of uh, you know this. Horrible uh, evil in the world, and so I have on. To tell you, I'm not here to defend the United U.S. foreign policy. It, suddenly, it, it's not a hotspot anymore, yeah. and suddenly, it's not evil anymore. I just think no. that's that's so weird. Well, first of all, there's a confusion here. A lot of people, you know, they say, "Well, why is the U.S. taking action in this country and not in this country?" Well, it's because they've got oil, and you know, or some interest. Well, duh, that's the reason, right? Mm -hmm. You don't go and stick your nose in places where you haven't got an interest, where you haven't got contracts in play, where you haven't got um, obligations to meet that you've already created. But I think people get frustrated and when you say, but I'm not going because of the oil, I'm going because they, they put gas under their own people. And it's like, well, well no, that's the, the not two are very capital. related. Because if you want oil, you got to have capitalism and you got to have freedom there. So you, and if as long as you have those I think other, Sam's a capitalist. I don't think so. Well, as far as he's concerned, he is. But doesn't he sell a lot of oil? What do you think capitalism is? Capitalism is private property rights. It's freedom of choice. It's it's freedom of motion. It's free trade. And he's got all of those. He's a rich guy. He's got all these gorgeous cars. Boy, he's the ultimate capitalist. Uh huh. But it's also the not yeah. a personal well, not with him. system. <laughs> we have to pause for a moment or two. We're coming back. If you'd like to join us, 643-1290. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us today on Left, Right, and Center. Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer with us today on Left, Right, and Center talking about real politics. Where do we go in the world now? What, what, where do we go, really? What should we be doing now? What should the Americans be doing? What should the rest of the world be doing? It seems we're following the same old game plans, and they haven't done us particularly well in the past. Andrew joins us. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Jim. Thanks. Yes, sir. Uh, that's but people like Jeff know. I think the biggest mistake all these people want about peace, peace, peace is that back in the World War One, World War Two, and Japan and everything, like he said, the world wasn't going to blow up when they made the first move. But now, if a if a country like Iraq makes the first move, that's it. You've got to get in there. Speaking about poking in the eye, you can't allow it place like Iraq to poke you in the eye first and then react. You have to get in there and poke them in the eye first. Oh, I gotta say, Jim. Thanks. All right, thanks for the call, Andrew. And Gord's been waiting patiently. Hi, Gord. Hi, Jim. I. It seems I don't mean to insult you, but it seems like your memory of history is rather limited today because mm -hmm. the United States did, in my view, uh, do 
what they thought was the best after the First World War, which turned out to be a huge mistake. And then they changed their policy after the Second World War and did a great job. Mm -hmm. uh, they also did a great job during the Cold War. And uh, all you have to do is look at those countries in Eastern Europe. They are better off now. They don't have to be worried about the knock on the door at night. And it seems like, Jeff, no matter what happens uh, in the world, the United States is to blame. No, and, if and they, it's if interesting it, as you I, point that it, out, that in, before World War II, their policy was isolationism. We always complain, uh, hey, get see, in, they're involved the in the war. <laughs> intervention, right, Jeff? Yeah, I know. Isn't that ironic, eh? Yeah, but, uh, so no matter what that, the United though, I think States it's does, still, whether it's intervention or isolationism, that's the fault of the United States, right? But but do you, would you say that the reason they're going into Iraq is because uh, Saddam gassed his own people? Is that what this war is all about? Um, well, what do you think, Jeff? You I think, think obviously it's not, because this guy must be a nice guy. And I know that Colin Powell's a smart guy, and he doesn't genuinely believe that taking out Saddam's going to do anything about al-Qaeda. Uh -huh. He knows that Saddam uh, and is you doing have everything he can to stay out of the United there's States There's no, no ties between al-Qaeda and Saddam, right? Well, fundamentally... There must be no Saddam training an, camps in there Saddam that the United a, States knows about, of course, Saddam's right? Saddam's as much at risk from al-Qaeda as uh, the Americans are, that uh, Saddam is a secular leader. He's a non-religious leader. He allows yeah, women to do whatever they want. He's also a dictator, thug, so who has training camps well, again, for al-Qaeda. Let's just start using words like thug. Th what does thug mean? Thug means someone who a guy who has a designated rapist working for him, that'd be one thing. Well, well, well we heard about the uh, about the Iraqis going in and uh, taking babies off respirators in uh, Kuwait in 1990. Uh -huh. you know, it turned and out I that was a patent untruth. I you think the, uh, the gassing of the Kurds was also that was a propaganda from the so West, I guess right? when we hear about designated rapists, it just becomes silly. It's oh, like, Jeff, surely nobody please, suggests please. It's seriously like you're defending that he's a designated Hitler rapist. Here. Good God. But uh, uh, fundamentally, you? to me, you keep the eye on the ball. If you don't want to have another World Trade Center, you remember who were the guys who did it. Okay, Remember, Jeff. that's al-Qaeda. Let's Saddam deal with al-Qaeda. Gas the Kurds or not. Well, so you're saying the war is about gassing his own people. If that's I'm, what it's I'm about, then there's a lot anything. of countries that are treating your people you very question, badly. We're going to have to go into them. 20 or 30 different countries. Excuse me. So if we go to the 20 or 30 countries, then we can yeah. say we're being yeah. intellectually honest about you, it. But if we say we're picking on Saddam because we can't find al-Qaeda... If we can't find uh -huh. al-Qaeda, we've got to take the next guy in line who's Saddam, then that's just not smart. We've got so to get al-Qaeda. They're the threat. The Kurds? Is the war about that? Did he gas the Kurds? Is well, the war about that? Um, I just, I'm, I'm asking about the relevances uh, you, to that. Can you not avoid it? Can you maybe answer one or two? Well, surely, are you, surely you're not suggesting that he didn't gas the Kurds. Of course he did. What I'm saying is so that's then there not is what proof this war that he has, has weapons anything of about. Mass destruction. That was nine years ago. Why did it take us nine years to get around with the dealing with it? Uh, that was for the United Nations. I was surprised last week to find that missiles are not weapons of mass destruction, by the way. I guess Jack Layton got in trouble because he complained uh -huh. that the Americans were developing a missile. Uh, so anyway, we defense. have proof that he does have weapons so of mass destruction, and you just want to well, deny it. Well, that's the next thing. We've seen six shells that could hold gas, which apparently could kill about, uh, you know, maybe a thousand people. We've seen half a million uh, uh, Iraqis killed by the sanctions over the last uh, ten years. We and he doesn't have any mass, mobile system or underground system or anything big. like that. I think of mass as being big, like killing a lot of people. You know, can he kill a lot of people with half a dozen shells that could have gas in them? No, he can't. Well, tell me but we killed half number, a million. When That's it, a lot. When, when does also half a million? You got to get up to like four hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. No, I'm just saying. Before, I'm just saying that before it's Jeff easy, it's easy bad to call enough. people names and to say sticks and stones, but the problem is with world no, politics, you can't afford to just say we're going to go after this country because we know we can beat the crap out of them. That's what we have to do is issue. remember who are the guys who are out to get the Americans. It's you know Al Qaeda. You do, you Don't say, you're forget saying, that. No matter how many times and in how many ways people make up names like. Or dictator, remember where the risk is. If you genuinely want to keep the United States 
safe, find the guys who are out to get them. We've got Ken on the line. Hi, Ken. Hello. Yes, sir. Uh, this whole situation, what I've noticed, and I've been listening to it for a lot of years, you don't very often hear anyone from the Muslim community commenting on it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we could get somebody, preferably women, on the women's situation in Afghanistan and any Muslim uh, person about what their thoughts are about what's going on with Iraq and everything. Be an interesting, a, a different interesting uh, Because well, we haven't heard from any of them. Yeah. Ken, thanks for your call today. Well, that uh, that possibility always exists here. Everybody is welcome to call when we're dealing with issues like this, and uh, certainly it would be interesting to hear from some people from the Muslim community on this one. But yeah. unfortunately, it's not going to happen on left, right, and center today because <laughs> we're out of time. Uh, as is our tradition here, we give the last 30 seconds or so to each of our guys to sum it up. And Bob, uh, 30 seconds to you. I, I think the big d disagreement Jeff and I have here, and I just have to point a finger at Jeff this time. I, Jeff, I don't think you believe I in objectivity. I don't think you believe that there... I think you believe that a person's opinion, when it's based on reality, has the same value as a person's opinion that's based on fantasy. And that's just not true. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, Jeff, you got 30 seconds to set that one straight. Okay, yeah, well, just, just to briefly, I guess, my thing is that, again, when you're playing for keeps, when you've got people who would like to blow up buildings and so on, you've got to keep your eye on them no matter what. And no matter how much somebody else wants to say, well, look at this other guy over here. He's a real jerk. Why don't we go get him instead? Because we know where he is. We know where he lives. You can't be distracted by that. You've got to remember, he's not blowing up World Trade Centers. The other guys are. And even though they're hard to find, we've got to stay with them. And when I hear about Afghanistan and how the states is already sort of withdrawing their, their military, military presence there so that you've got the fundamentalists getting back into control. I really worry about that. That uh, So you get rid of Saddam, so you've got the next guy who comes in there who may well be just as bad. Uh, so you want him to stay there now? You don't so even fundamentally, <laughs> if, it's, if it's bad guys we're going after, there's two dozen leaders in the world who are just as bad as Saddam. Agreed. If it's guys who are actually a real threat in to the United States, there's one, and it's Al-Qaeda, and it's Osama bin Laden, and they got to keep the eye on the ball and get that guy. Gentlemen, thank you both. Uh, interesting, as always, left, right, and center with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer.